Good morning and welcome to Counterbalance Radio, a KZUM radio talk show featuring progressive Christian perspectives. My name is Richard Randolph and I'm one of your co-hosts uh, for this program. Today we will be uh, talking with um, Meg um, Michael Lychik, uh from Planned Parenthood. I think that this is a very important episode. You know, I believe that there's probably a lot of uh, false stereotypes about Planned Parenthood out there, which focuses exclusively on their role as providers of abortions. Yet Planned Parenthood provides many important resources and assistance. And so I think that it will be great for us to spend this time talking with Meg to gain a fuller picture of all that Planned Parenthood does. Also joining me in the studio this morning is the Reverend Leanne Masters, Senior Pastor at Southern Heights Presbyterian Church, and also Reverend Stephen Griffin. We envision a show uh, at Counterbalance that focuses on social, ethical, and spiritual and faith issues from a progressive Christian perspective. Topics will also include uh, interreligious sharing as well as science and faith issues. We probably all heard conservative Christian perspectives on other radio stations and TV shows. However, we plan and we intend to offer an alternative voice for KZUM listeners, an alternative progressive perspective, which is also authentically Christian and which takes the scriptures seriously, along with script, uh, Christian tradition and current perspectives. We have named our new show Counterbalance because we seek to counterbalance more conservative Christian perspectives. Counterbalance is hosted by Beth Menhusen and me, Richard Randolph. Both Beth and I are pastors at Christ and Connection Point uh, United Methodist Church here in Lincoln, uh, Nebraska. One church with two locations and two very, very different personalities. And yet at the same time, a shared commitment to acting inclusively, seeking God, serving others, and doing justice. At Christ Connection Point, we strive to welcome, include, and affirm all persons, regardless of, regardless of their ethnicity, economic class, or sexual orientation. We recognize that all persons are created in the image of God and loved by God for who they are. For more information about our church, please visit ChristUMCLINC.org. And also check out connectionpointlink.org, our two websites. This week, Beth Minhusen, our uh, my other co-host, is working on another project, and so she's not joining us for our discussion today. However, joining me in the studio as um, guest co-host is the Reverend <laughs> Stephen Griffin. Welcome to Counterbalance, Steve. I, I believe that the last time you were on our show you mentioned that you and um, Reverend Doyle Burbank uh, once hosted a KZUM radio show that's very similar to Counterbalance. Yeah, hey Richard, good to be back. Uh, yeah, Doyle and I, uh, for four years, uh, yeah, just shy of four years, we had a, a show, uh, Faith and Culture, and uh, not, not terribly different, a little different focus, but we called it Interobang. All interrobang. Right. Yeah. I think that's what such a cool you may ask yes. is interrobang. Well, let me tell you, interrobang. I thought you might want to do is, that. 
is an obscure uh, obscure punctuation mark that combines an exclamation no a question mark and an exclamation point in tarot bang and um, uh, it uh, I came across it in a in uh, a little book of oh meditations reflections poetry uh, mm-hmm. Back in the seventies, and uh, that was titled in Terabang. Uh, there, there are other things uh, other have been written about it, but I've I've discovered it to be a very useful, uh, useful uh, uh, punctuation mark. Or sometimes, if I don't have the official Unicode in Terabang mark uh, ready at hand I'll just you know do the exclamation because sometimes it's just necessary to to ask a question mark with f- extra emphasis I, or, I agree okay. or maybe exclaim with a hint of a question or you know however you want to talk about it so the great title for a show I um, I'd love to hear some of the recordings of that show I, I don't <laughs> know if you have any of them I I do tucked away in a in a physical archive. They're not online, but well, maybe I can talk you into loaning me a couple of those. <laughs> well, as I mentioned at the top of the show, we are focusing on the ministry of Planned Parenthood today. So, joining Steve and me in the studio are two additional guests. Today, we are uh, talking with um, Meg uh, Michael Lychik from uh, Planned Parenthood. And also joining us in the studio this morning is Reverend Leanne Masters, who's senior pastor at Southern Heights Presbyterian Church here in here in Lincoln. Uh, welcome, Meg and Leanne. It's so great to have you as a part of our of our uh, counterbalance show today. Uh, Glad thank to be you. here. Thank you. Yeah, thank you for the invite. Yeah, you're very welcome. Well, uh, as we um, let's just go ahead and get started and. Um, Meg, um, I'd like for you to just begin by um, telling us uh, about your position at Planned Parenthood, and then um, also if you could um, tell us about all of the things, all of the services, all of the resources that Planned Parenthood has to offer, uh, and it provides for us here in Lincoln and Omaha and throughout uh, throughout Nebraska. Sure. Well, I'm the um, deputy director here in Nebraska at Planned Parenthood. I'm also legal counsel for some of our ancillary C4 organizations. But in my role, I oversee the advocacy program and uh, I do a variety of other things in the community, making sure people know what kind of services we offer. So again, great to be on today. We do, we count three health centers in Nebraska our Lincoln Health Center, our Omaha Health Center, and our Council Bluffs Health Center, which I know technically is in Iowa, but about 60% of the patients at our Council Bluffs Health Center are actually Nebraskans. And in the Lincoln and Omaha Health Centers, we see about 8,500 or so individual patients every year. I think one thing that surprises people is that uh, we serve men. We are not just a women's health center. We serve people of all genders. We have about a thousand men who come as patients annually. And we can do so many more services than people even realize. So we offer birth control methods, including emergency contraception, the pills, depot shots, implant, IUD, et cetera. Condoms. Condoms. Thank you. Yes, condoms. Uh, we do about 15,000 STI uh, tests a year, which is a lot. And we also offer treatments for um, STIs. And that can include um, chlamydia, gonorrhea, 
syphilis, but also one that is very common that people don't know about, trichomoniasis. Mm. Uh, and we actually had a bill passed this last year in the legislature uh, without any opposition that makes it easier for people to get treated for trick. So okay. I just want to highlight that. We do uh, well woman exams, pre-cancer screening, colposcopies, abortion, adoption, hormone therapy, and we also do some general wellness screening. Um, so we do a lot of transgender care. And I just want to uh, let folks know too that that's on a sliding fee. So people shouldn't feel prohibited because of the ability to oh, pay for that. Mm -hmm. Very good. Yeah. Um, so that's on the healthcare side. And we've also had a lot of really exciting innovation happening lately. We just launched our app, PP Direct, fairly recently. Nebraska is not the last state in the nation to have this really exciting platform. So um, what it is, is people can download the app and I, I recommend everyone do it. It's really cool. Uh, and you interact with the platform to either enter your symptoms for whether or not you have a UTI or if you need birth control and then, um, or you can also schedule an appointment online. But if you need birth control, we can mail you birth control directly to your house in a very awesome. discreet package. Mm -hmm. And if you need a UTI, we can fill the prescription for you uh, and you just go pick it up at the pharmacy. So creates much greater access, especially since Nebraska's not just Lincoln and Omaha and we don't have health centers across the state. That's right. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Very good. Um, you know, healthcare is a really big piece of what we do, but we also have a really robust education program, especially mm -hmm. in Lincoln and Omaha. Uh, our Lincoln education team, probably most of town has interacted with them at some point. Uh, they're exceptional. They've done so much for this community. They do age appropriate and medically accurate uh, training based on the needs of, of whatever the partner needs. And I can just tell you too, they are a great resource for anyone trying to figure out how to talk to their kids about it. My four-year-old's right. very interested in all things, probably because I work at Planned Parenthood. Um, and her favorite bedtime story is actually, it's not the stork because by <laughs> Roby Harris, because um, one of our educators said, this is a really actually great book. And Actually, I'm not familiar with that book. So A lot of pictures, okay. very medically accurate terminology, um, Beatrix, my kiddo, is really interested in um, the pregnancy development ones, but there's mm -hmm. also, you know, anatomy and some healthy relationship stuff. It's great. It's great. Mm -hmm. And it really helps parents who maybe don't know what they're supposed to say. So yeah. um, our educators are great. Yeah, I'm really glad there's there's that healthy relationship piece in in books like that. And because uh, that's so important. We, we tend to focus when we're talking about sex, sexuality, we tend to focus on on the anatomy and the and maybe the medical, but but it's it really is all about relationships. And um, so I'm I'm glad I'm glad Pan, Planned Parenthood does uh, that relationship education as well as as the the more physical education. Right, and I think we also really do a great job at Planned Parenthood of. Uh, being as inclusive with our education as possible, making sure it's culturally appropriate and that it isn't um, just a gender binary, but we talk about people of all genders and all sexual orientations so that all people in the room feel like they're getting the education they need right. and they're not excluded. So That's I, really important. Yeah. yeah. yeah um, you mentioned 
culturally appropriate. And you know, and and some listeners will know one of my uh, interests is uh, p- uh, working with people of different faiths. So I'm just curious, Meg, how uh, how does Planned Parenthood approach working with people of of various culture from various cultures, people of various religions, and so, sure, yeah. Well, from the religious standpoint, we've been working with some of the folks in this room and a bunch of people in the community in Lincoln, Omaha, and elsewhere to make sure that we have a wide variety of religious space at the table to help us think through how we're reaching out into those communities, how we show up, where we show up, when we show up. And I think it's very similar. We look to um, the communities we're serving to inform us on how we show up. We work really closely with our partners to make sure we're providing, for example, the educational programming that is mm-hmm. relevant to them. So perhaps it's healthy relationships, perhaps it's a basic adult sex ed. Um, and we are working really hard to make sure we continue to expand how we show up and who is helping us um, deliver programming so that it is as authentic as possible. Um, And even to that end, one program we have in Omaha that is so cool and interesting is our teen council. So, you know, instead of having adults going in and telling young people all the time about sexuality and and healthy relationships, we have this robust program where different teenagers from across the city come, they learn a curriculum, they learn best practices, and then they actually go out and do peer education. So. They're learning from people who look like them, have had similar experiences, and are safe to talk to. Yeah, so I'm just curious, uh, among your clients, do you have information about the cultural backgrounds of, of patients and, and clients uh, uh, and, and uh, any information on, on different religions? I mean, do you... Like of, of course, percentages or Percentages, breakdowns? yeah. You know, offhand, I don't, and some of that would be protected by HIPAA. And a lot of it is whether or not they self-report. But we do know that a lot of folks who come to Planned Parenthood are religious. Um, I I can't really speak to it more than that. Of course. Sorry about that. Not at all. So that's really uh, informative. You know, a, a lot of people that I talk with... Uh, and uh, when we get into conversations about Planned Parenthood, they assume that, that oh, that's the abortion place, and that's all they know about Planned Parenthood. Right. Uh, and I, uh, I, so I'm really glad to hear you talk about all of these different services that Planned Parenthood. In fact, I, I heard you mention adoption in yes. the mix. So we have a, an adoption agency that we are partnered with who actually offices with us at Planned Parenthood. They're called Avalon. And one of the most amazing things about Avalon is they don't discriminate. So if people want to have a family, they help the right people have, you know, match up with the right family uh, based on whether or not it's an open adoption, a partially open adoption, how, how those different individuals coming to that relationship want the relationship to be. And it's great because when we say we do all options counseling with our patients, someone comes in and they're pregnant and they want to know what what all the options are for them, we really mean that. We can match them up directly with Leah, with Avalon, and they can move forward with pursuing adoption if that's what they want to do. If people want to remain pregnant, 
we have a lot of really great partnerships and referrals. Um, and of course, if they want to seek an abortion, we would give them counseling on that as well. That's really pretty awesome. I have to admit that as a pastor, I had no idea just the, the full scale and scope of services and resources that Planned Parenthood uh, provides uh, to our community. So I'm so glad that you're here today to, to educate me, um, and uh, thank you so much. Yeah. You know, one other thing really quick I just want to say, I think when people visualize who a Planned Parenthood patient is, they probably picture someone in their 20s or maybe a college student, mm-hmm. probably picture a woman. Um, we have people of all backgrounds, of all ages. Uh, we can serve people regardless of immigration status. There is no common patient. We are really here for everybody. I had someone recently tell me that they had some great postmenopausal care at Planned Parenthood, which I don't think people consider coming to us at that point in their life either, but we're here for everybody. I can, absolutely. I'm, it, it's clear that you are because of all of the, all of the services that you're offering and all of the, the resources. Um, so. Well, the need for sexual health and health care is, is lifelong. Yeah. I mean, most women spend about, I think it's a third of their life, 30, or no, I'm sorry. It's more than that. It's 30 years of their life uh-huh. trying not to be pregnant. So that is, <laughs> o- depending on how old you, you know, at, are. At, at one time or another. Yes. Yeah. Uh-huh. yeah. So that's a lot. That is a lot. And it's it a lot of, you know, responsibility on somebody to be in control of their own lives. So we're there to help them for 30 years or more. So, yeah. Thank you. Thank you so much. Um, Meg, I just want to lift up, I think it's so incredibly important, the education that you do and the, the starting of conversations. It's really hard in our culture and our society. We still very much so don't have avenues for healthy conversations and healthy healthy discussions surrounding sexuality, human reproduction, or anything like that. And, and I'm not only a pastor, but I'm also a parent. I have two small children at home. And knowing that there are resources out there to help talk to my children about their bodies, about what this means, about how babies are born in a healthy and medically accurate way that also sets them up for a lifetime of understanding this in a respectful and good way that our bodies, our reproductive systems are nothing to be ashamed of. It's nothing that we have to hide in secret, but we can talk about openly. Um, That leads to a lack of stigma that... I think one of the things that I've seen is people not getting health care in various ways because of fear of judgment, fear of stigma, and that mm-hmm. sort of thing. And having a non-judgmental place where all options are discussed fully and completely is just absolutely incredible. And then the educational res- uh, resources that you have. I just I wrote down, it's not the stork. <laughs> yes, I was just going to tell you that's, that's yep. the one. And yep. she has a whole series. So as kiddos get older, there's you know more information. It's fantastic. Yep. It is fantastic. Yeah. Well, you know, I think what's great um, about Planned Parenthood, it's a really special place because when, you know, we say we offer non-judgmental care, but we really do. And if you haven't met our health center staff or our educators, they are all 
free of judgment and they really just want to meet people where they're at, get them the information they need uh, and help them get the services that are right for them, right. you know? And that might be natural family planning. It might be an IUD. It might be, you know, getting some prep for HIV. It, it could be a whole host of things. And uh, our folks are just so knowledgeable and have really helped people through a variety of situations in their lives. So they're not surprised and they just want to get you what you need and what's right for you. We don't push anything over anything else. It's we want you to have the information and then we really want people to feel empowered to make those decisions for themselves. So Meg, I, I really appreciated you talking about all of these resources and mm -hmm. um, programs that you have for, um, for reproductive health. Um, I'll have to say the most surprising thing I've learned so far is that uh, some of your uh, clients or men, I never thought about that. That's really great for me to know as a pastor because sometimes I need to make referrals for different things. Um, but I, I want us to uh, change the subject um, a little bit and talk about uh, just uh, we do need to talk about abortion uh, this morning. And uh, I think for at least for people in my generation, I'm um, I'm a baby boomer, um, and um, if Beth were here, we'd have a great conversation. She's a millennial, so the two of us are always going back and forth <laughs> about our our demographic cohorts. But could you talk a little bit about ab abortion? It's not just surgery anymore. Sure. Could Could you talk a little bit about that? Absolutely. And, uh, about the different abortion uh, options. Absolutely. Um, and I actually have, the first thing I want to say is that emergency contraception is not an abortifacient and it is not abortion. So I just want to clear up first that when I'm talking about abortion services, I am not talking about the morning after pill or plan B or anything like that. Um, there are two different types of abortions. There's medication abortion and there's something called surgical abortion, which is a little bit of a misnomer because when we think of surgery, we picture, uh, you know, cuts and stitches, and that's right. not what we're doing. So uh, a medication abortion is available for patients up to 10 weeks of their pregnancy, and it's really two different doses of medication, uh, one of which has to be administered by a physician in Nebraska, not for any reason except that the Nebraska legislature has deemed it so. There's, there's no medical reason that that has to happen. Uh, but you would receive your first dose, your... Um, Mifepristone, which actually uh, stops progesterone, the pregnancy hormone, for, from continuing. So it ends pregnancy hormones in the body. Then the patient goes home, is given four pills that they will take with them 24 to 48 hours mm -hmm. when it's convenient for them. And they put that in the buckle of their mouth. They let it dissolve for an hour. And that's the mesoprostol. And, and the mesoprostol actually um, dilates the cervix, empties the contents of the uterus and completes the termination. Um, people say it feels like a heavy period. Mm -hmm. um, and what people have liked about that is they can have some more control over their bodies and, and this process. Uh, but it is only available up to about 10 weeks. It's really effective when both medications are taken. It's about 98% effective. Um, and it it can't be reversed. I know that that was a big conversation this yeah, I was, year. Yeah, I was going to ask you about that. I've heard about this, and I know there was a bill in the legislature, and I've, I've heard about it in other states as well, about reversing yeah. this 
Tell us about that. So the uh, assertion that a medication abortion can be, and I'm saying reversed in air quotes, uh, that it could be reversed came from a really misguided, uh, misleading study done by somebody who works on the agenda of outlawing abortion. So that's where this started from. Uh, And there was this belief that you could give somebody progesterone after you've cut it off with uh, with mifepristone. And we actually don't know that that is effective at all. There is no correlation between giving progesterone and having a a pregnancy persist. Uh, Some pregnancies will persist if you don't take the second dose. We do know that. But we can't tell that adding progesterone in is actually safe for the woman or the fetus or if it has any positive outcomes. Um, So it's actually not good medical practice to force doctors to tell their patients that something that can't happen is available to them, which is why we were against that bill in the legislature. Of course, we want people to have all the information about their health care. That's one of the pillars we stand on to mislead patients. Uh, There's a there's a problem there with patients then being able to make informed consent to a procedure. So it is not a real thing. What ended up happening is that there's a whole slew of things we have to say to patients 24 hours before their appointment. And the legislature has now added in a provision that we have to say, if you do change your mind, let us know. We will refer you to an OB-GYN. So compared to other states, it's not as egregious, but we don't believe doctors should be told what to say by people who aren't doctors in the first place. So, yeah. Right, imagine that. <laughs> so that's medication abortion. Um, and then there's surgical abortion, which... Um, Depending on where you're at in your pregnancy, it might look a little different, but essentially it's a suction uh, that removes a pregnancy from the uterus. So uh, this is available to somebody even at six weeks. It's really patient preference. So they could do a medication abortion or they could do surgical. Um, Surgical, you know, you're for sure going to have the abortion right then and be Mm -hmm. able to move on with your day. That medication process is a little longer, uh, but we can use suction abortion or vacuum aspiration um, in the clinic up to about 14 or 16 weeks after the last period. And after that, it goes to something called a D&E, which is suction and some medical tools just to make sure the contents of the uterus are empty so that you're safe after you leave. Um, But both of those things happen in clinic. You can have some sedation um, and go home later that day. Later that day. So it's a it's, Out, basically, it's an outpatient type of... Right, and it's not even, you know, surgery. I think a few years ago, there was some excitement by people that want to outlaw abortion, that we should be having abortion only happen in hospitals or ambulatory surgical centers. Mm-hmm. And I think that the word surgical in the abortion uh, pro- procedure is what's confusing. There's no sterile fields. There's no, it's not a safety risk to do this in a clinic, in a health center setting. Um, abortion is very, very, very safe. So so it's, it's not something that needs to be done in a hospital setting at all. Complications are rare. And, you know, we are prepared to help people get the care they need if they have complications. Wow, that's very, very helpful. Thank you so much, Meg. Um, we uh, are upon our half hour. We'll need to stop and take a break uh, now, a, a station break. When we come back, 
Um, I'd like to ask you to talk about, of course, abortion is very controversial, and so I'd like to, for you to talk a little bit about what may, may or may not be coming up in the uh, unicameral uh, this, this coming year. Right. Um, and so um, we'll be uh, doing that. Uh, but before we do that, uh, we need to, s- to stop for a break. And um, uh, with this show, as with all of our counterbalance shows, we encourage uh, listeners to, uh, to call in with a, c- a comment or a question. Uh, the number to call in is 402-474-5086. Um, please choose extension 1. And uh, if you're um, shy or not interested in being on uh, on the um, on the radio, if you want to just call in, I'll uh, pick up the phone and talk with you, and then sort of recapitulate the the point or the question that that you were trying to uh, trying to make. But for now, let's uh, pause for uh, these uh, these uh, uh, station identification and these announcements. Well, we're back. Um, uh, with counterbalance and um, talking today with um, uh, Meg um, Michaelcheck about um, Planned Parenthood and um, uh, about all that uh, all that Planned Parenthood does. Also in the studio today is uh, Leanne Masters, uh, pastor at uh, at uh, uh, North. So, sorry, Southern Heights. <laughs> Southern Heights Presbyterian Church, uh, and uh, welcome, Leanne. I'm really glad that you're here, even if I had you in the wrong direction of ah, town. Glad to be here. <laughs> it's great to have you here. Um, Stephen Griffin, Pastor uh, Stephen Griffin, is also with us, and uh, we're talking about um, uh, Planned Parenthood, and um, before the break, um, well, as we went away from uh, to the break, uh, Leanne, I mean, uh, Meg was going to talk to us a little bit about what might be coming up in uh, the, the unicameral, this coming legislative session. We all know that uh, abortion is a very, uh, it's controversial. There's a lot of differences of opinion. Um, and so, um, Meg, do you, can you have any sort of update on what might be, sure. what we might be uh, experiencing or, or looking forward to? Sure. So uh, the first thing I'll I'll just highlight is that there are several good, positive sexual and reproductive health care bills that have carried over. So were introduced last year and could still move, or maybe we'll see different iterations of them. There's a bill that we really loved that would require emergency contraception to be offered in hospital settings for uh, sexual assault survivors in particular, because we know, um, and, and I would love to hear your thoughts on this, We know with religious refusal laws in hospitals that some providers are able to not provide those services to people when they need them because of moral objections. So uh, we we like that bill because we think all people should have access to those services, especially in times of trauma. Um, And then we also have, um, there's a bill that Senator Wishart from Lincoln uh, brought, which would expand Medicaid even more for family planning services. Uh, about 120,000 Nebraska women in the last handful of years have needed assistance with contraception, public assistance. So we know that the need is really there. Medicaid expansion is very popular in the state. Um, so we like that bill as well. And, and there's one more, you know, Planned Parenthood, 
um, people see us as abortion providers, which of course we are. It's important health care uh, that we don't shy away from, but we want people to have families when they want to, how they want to. Right. And so we are also really big proponents of people being able to access fertility treatments and IVF. There's a bill um, in the legislature that would require insurance coverage for IVF. It can be exceptionally expensive for folks who want to have families who have, for a variety of different reasons, um, they need a little help. Right. And so we really support that as well. Right. Um, so those are the positives. Uh, of course, you know, I don't want to give the opposition any ideas if they haven't already come up with them on their own. We are definitely keeping our eyes open for anything that restricts access to uh, sexual and reproductive health care, including abortion, anything that would discriminate against patients accessing that care. Um, across the country, we're seeing a, a lot of really aggressive, very extreme bans that most Americans, regardless of how they actually feel about abortion personally, right. are against. Uh, things like all-out abortion bans. We would fight to the bitter end on that because regardless of how an individual feels, we want to make sure anyone who needs health care can get it. Right. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. So uh, that's what we have to look forward to. Then. Yeah. Yeah. Luckily, it's a shorter session. So um, I think that typically when it's a 60-day session, there are a lot of things folks want to accomplish. Um, and I don't know how restricting abortion rights fits into that framework, but uh, we have a really strong group of partners who help us make sure patients continue to have access. And we have a very strong advocacy team across the state. We have a new office in Grand Island and a great strategist out there working to make sure the Tri-Cities area and beyond supporters feel connected to the work and understand what the fight is about and can plug into the work at the legislature as well. So okay. you, you mentioned, Meg, uh, an office in Grand Island. Is that only an advocacy office or do you provide any health services there? So we are an advocacy only admin office, but John, our advocacy strategist out there, is happy to connect people with PP Direct. And also the health centers that are already out in Grand Island, Hastings, and Kearney. We have great partnerships with them. They're Title X health centers. And uh, we're not trying to compete. We're trying to get people the care they need. Uh, but we also have been plugging our educators into some education programming out in that direction. Adult sex ed has been a big thing in Hastings. We're hoping to do one in Grand Island soon. Um, and so I think there's some other ways that we can offer some services to communities out that direction. Fantastic. Fantastic. Well, um, I, I appreciate that uh, legislative update, and uh, we'll continue to watch um, for uh, different bills as they come forward. Um, and Meg, maybe we'll have you back um, uh, as we get closer to the legislative session. That'd I'd be great. Love to have you come back yeah. and, and talk to us more ab about what's going on. Um, the one thing that we really haven't talked about much uh, so far in our, our show is um, concerns just the the morality of uh, of abortion, and I'm just gonna um, put it out, you know, just sort of to state bluntly, uh, a lot of people believe that uh, in order to be uh, a Christian, you have to be uh, opposed to uh, abortion, uh, opposed to a, a woman's right to choose, and. So one of the most important things that I want to get out of this show is to just share with people that uh, that is not the case, that uh, there are many Christians uh, who are 
faithful Christians who believe the Bible, who follow the Bible, uh, who believe that a, a woman should have a right to choose, that abortion should be an option. Um, and uh, I'm United Methodist. Um, in a moment, I'm going to pitch it over to Leanne, who's Presbyterian, and we'll, we'll see uh, what her faith tradition says. But in our uh, faith tradition, um, uh, what we've said in our social principles, Steve, is that um, we believe in the sanctity of unborn human life and that that makes us reluctant to approve abortion. And the United Methodist Church is certainly opposed to abortion as a form of birth control uh, or as a way of uh, choosing the gender or the sex of a child. But at the same time, we're equally bound to respect the sacredness of the life and the well-being of the mother and of the unborn child. And so, um, although we we affirm uh, the sanctity of the unborn human life, we also recognize that the, the, the pregnant mother has sacred worth. And there may be circumstances in which um, abortion is an unfortunate, um, and, uh, is unfortunate. It's something that we have to, to do um, in order to meet the needs of the, the mother for whatever reason. It could be physical needs. It could be emotional needs. Um, so we do recognize in the United Methodist Church that, that uh, it's important to have a society in which uh, we respect a woman's right to choose. And yeah. uh, so that's, uh, you probably know these uh, the social principles, which I'm drawing from better than I do, Steve. I don't know, I, I don't know about that, but uh, there is a phrase that, that I have always appreciated. We, we say that abortion represents a tragic, con- I think the wording is a tragic conflict of life with life. And, um, uh, and we recognize uh, in the United Methodist Church that, that uh, abortion is a morally justifiable choice, uh, a decision that a woman can make uh, ab- about her own medical needs and her health care. Absolutely. I would say within the Presbyterian Church, we have very similar statements. Uh, if anybody's interested, one of the things we love to do as Presbyterians is research and study yes. and write reports. Uh, so we, have, <laughs> we actually have a pretty significant statement on abortion and, and a woman's right to choose. And I just wanted to read a couple of excerpts from that that I found particularly helpful in this conversation. Um, uh, this was a policy that was written in 1992. It has been revisited since then. We are constantly coming back and talking about it as a denomination and as a community of faith um, because we want to make sure that we are still following um, the guiding of the Holy Spirit and our understanding and our relationship with social issues. Um, but it states that uh, the, the committee that researched and studied and wrote this report agreed that there's no biblical texts that speak expressly to the topic of abortion, but that taken in their totality, the Holy Scriptures are filled with messages that advocate respect for the woman and child before and after birth. And that's what it really comes down to is respect for the woman and the child. Um, It also goes on to say, we affirm the ability and responsibility of women guided by the scriptures and the Holy Spirit in the context of their communities of faith to make good moral choices in regard to problem pregnancies. I think one of the things that we like to do often within Christianity is put things in um, 
concrete boxes, right? Right. Categories Mm -hmm. that uh, we say it will fit here or here or here or here. And the reality is, is when we're talking about pregnancy, when we're talking about medical issues, when we're talking about economic justice and other justice issues, a lot of this doesn't fit into any neat little category, right? And it comes down to issues of justice. And for me, I like to be guided by the work and the teachings of Jesus, who didn't go to people and say, you have to fit within these categories. You're right, you're wrong. This is up, this is down. Yes, no. But instead looked at where people were and what they were dealing with in their lives and loved them in that um, and worked for justice for all people. And so that's where I try to follow. Uh, I do believe that that people of faith good in good conscience can disagree, uh, even on the topic of abortion. But the question comes down to how do we love people and how do we work for justice within systems? Mm-hmm. Well said. Yeah, I really appreciate that, Leanne. And um, what, one of the things that that it seems like I'm always coming back to is is to remind folks that that in here in the United States we're a society a very uh, diverse society in many ways culturally and and religiously and even though uh, the majority of of Americans uh, are at least kind of culturally Christian. Uh, there are many other religions uh, represented here too. And and different religions uh, have different understandings of, of the morality and and different uh, different denominations within Christianity have uh, have different understandings uh, as we've already uh, uh, mentioned. And and so one of my commitments is to to keep working for religious freedom, uh, so that the way I talk about it is is no one religious group, no one faith has the right in the United States to set the policy for every other religious group, and right. uh, uh, so that um, you know the separation of church and state means that. That no one, uh, when it comes to our our laws in in the United States and the state of Nebraska, no one group has the right to determine what morality everybody has to live up to. Right. Right. And um, so uh, uh, that means that for me, the. Uh, the conservative Christian groups that are uh, that keep promoting their version and their understanding of of the morality or what they would say the immorality of abortion uh, and family planning um, really uh, they're I believe are are working to impose their beliefs their religious beliefs. On the rest of society, there. That's my soapbox <laughs> yeah. for the. Well, and I, I totally agree with what you're saying, Steve. I, I, I want to go back to the Presbyterian statement just for a moment. Um, Leanne, you said something at the beginning that the statement says there's no scriptural prohibition. 
There's no scripture that speaks expressly to the topic of abortion. Exactly. Right. Well, um, I really like that in the Presbyterian's uh, statement. I wish we had the same thing as United Methodists because there is no uh, scriptural prohibition that speaks, well, as, as, as you just said, but which means that when you start talking about these deeply theological topics like insolment and when does life actually begin, you're actually making a, a philosophical statement that, and I, I'm a huge proponent of philosophy, but I don't think that philosophical statements should be the basis for social policy. Uh, so, well, uh, I just think that, you know, it's important to understand uh, when conservative Christians say that Christians are all, Christians must be opposed to abortion. Well, that's a philosophical statement based upon a philosophical understanding of when life begins and a lot of other complex issues. And it's not the, it's not the perspective of the Bible, and it's not the unanimous perspective of all of of all, all all Christians, and sometimes I think progressive Christians, we get a little timid, uh, and maybe don't push back enough to say uh, uh, very much to say, hey, that's your interpretation, but this is a topic that's open to other interpretations, and I happen to disagree with you on this issue. So, um, I think that's that's really important uh, as well. Yeah, well said. So. Um, I have to tell the audience, everybody's looking at me and smiling. But. <laughs> well, you know, from Planned Parenthood's perspective, um, I think this conversation this morning has been so critical for the community to hear because a lot of times it feels like the powers that be on the other side or wherever really want to pit religion against sexual and reproductive health care providers. And Planned Parenthood's an easy target, but we're all in that fight together right. uh, and we can coexist. Abortion is a really personal decision for a lot of people. Um, none of us are in a woman's shoes when she's making that decision. We hope she's making that decision with the support system in her life that makes sense to consult, whether that is her faith leaders and her family or its friends or she just knows. Um, but what I hear coming through in this conversation is we can all coexist and we all do recognize that there are a lot of deep personal beliefs that may may not always jive with medicine or the healthcare people need and that is for an individual to decide, yeah, uh, which I right. really, really appreciate. Um, and I think what gets missed about Planned Parenthood and the healthcare we provide is we don't want anyone to get healthcare that they don't want or isn't right for them. And so if an abortion right. is not right for them, we wanna help them get the care that is right for them. Right. Um, you provide lots of options and resources. Absolutely. So if someone is not, if that is not something that is right for them morally or ethically or religiously or whatever it is, then we want to connect them to an OBGYN or we want to connect them to an adoption agency. But if it is right for them, we want them to get the care that they need. And I, it sounds like we all agree on that, which is awesome. Thanks. Right. I'm yeah. in. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> Well, uh, I'm afraid that's um, probably all the time we have for today. Today we've been talking with um, Meg uh, Michael, Michael Lychik, Lychik. Yeah. <laughs> uh, from Planned Parenthood. 
along with uh, Reverend Stephen Griffith and Reverend Leanne Masters, who's pastor at Southern Heights Presbyterian Church. Um, I want to thank all of our guests today, and uh, especially to Stephen for helping serve as my uh, co-host in this uh, important I don't know what I've done other than sit here and talk a little bit, but uh, I'm I'm glad to be here. You're you're good at that, and you've given me a sense of calmness as I've uh, run the board without my uh, without my sidekick. Uh, I'll, I'll, I'll be the non-anxious presence. <laughs> that's, our, that's good. I need that. I need that. Um, Meg, any announcements about Planned Parenthood? Um, anything coming up that you want to share with us? Uh, well, we do have our Generation Strong event coming up de- December 5th. It's uh, a fundraising event, and it's also really a fun event. Our executive director, Andy Craig Grubb, who's just the most incredible. She'll be our keynote. Uh, so it's something you won't want to miss. Um, and you can just put a little circle in your calendar for, I believe it's March 18th is going to be the lobby day for Planned Parenthood. So, you know, we'll know in early January if what we're going to be working on, but it's that's a really fun event. If people haven't talked to senators before, it's we give you a little training and we send you off in, into the Capitol. So. That- That'll be great. Yeah. Um, so, Meg, if if people are uh, interested in the Generation Strong event, how, how can they find out about it? Well, you know, they can email us at events at ppncs.org, or they can call us at 402-557-6691, uh, or just, you know, even stop in our office and uh, or go on the website. We are available uh, to get you the information you need. We'd great. love to have you join us. Good. Fantastic. Thank you. Thank you. And Meg, if you'll pass those two dates along to, to me after the show, um, the big event, uh, yeah. and then the legislative day, we'll make sure we get that on the counterbalance website and and uh, and webpage as well. Wonderful. Thank you. Very good. Well, uh, thanks to all three of my guests. This has been a really rich and uh, important discussion that we've had today. I appreciate all of you coming in on uh, Saturday to um, to have this uh, discussion. Thank you very much. Thank you. Thank you. Um, hope that we can uh, have you come back uh, at another time, uh, particularly when we get closer to the le- legislative um, season. You've been listening to Counterbalance, a progressive Christian talk show hosted by Beth Minhusen and myself, Richard Randolph. Be sure to tune in next Saturday from 9 to 10 a.m., when Beth will be back uh, rejoining me, and we will be focusing on racism uh, in our society. Until then, have a great weekend, and uh, take care.